Marriage. It's not exactly the real-life version of a fairy tale, the solution to all of life's problems, or the ultimate goal to living a full life. It's clearly not for everyone. However, it can be an important cornerstone for quite a few people, as about two-thirds of us here in the U.S. get married, and the numbers are even higher globally. In addition, the influence of marriage on our health and wellness has been extensively documented. So when Susanna and I celebrated our 30th year of marriage, we thought it made sense to release our first ever episode on the subject, sharing 10 and a half lessons learned over those 30 years, including buy more toothpaste, live in 3D, and Rocky Balboa's secret. Folks, we absolutely do not have it figured out by any means, and we're continually learning ourselves. Our hope was that the episode would spark some valuable conversation, provide a buoy for those who might be going through a rough patch, or maybe give an idea or two to those couples who are already enjoying marriage but are on the lookout for more. With Valentine's Day upon us, we thought it would be good timing to re-release that popular episode as a hidden gem, but with an important addition. Advice from our three kids and their partners, all of whom were married within an 18-month window, beginning just about three years ago. Welcome to the Catalyst 360 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brad Cooper of Catalyst Coaching 360, and we are always grateful for you for investing some of your valuable time each week with us. This is our 258th episode, which based on the average time spent prepping, recording, editing, that kind of thing, we're up to about 2,500 hours of time invested in this library of amazing guests, intriguing topics, and we hope life-boosting discussions. As long as you keep telling us it matters and sharing the podcast with others, we'll keep it rolling. As always, if you have any questions about earning your MBHWC approved coach certification or bringing best-in-class coaching to your organization, your EAP, or your wellness services, please reach out via our new email address, results at catalystcoaching360.com. That's results at catalystcoaching and then the number 360.com. Now, before we cover our 10 and a half lessons from our 30 years, here are the lessons our married kids and their partners shared. Number one, learn the language. The most recently married couple in the Forever Fam, our son Joshua and daughter-in-law Callie, noted the importance of tuning in to how your partner communicates and then speaking that language. One of them prefers the very direct approach, while the other doesn't like the unexpected conflict such an approach can create. So they've learned the other's language. The direct partner holds back a bit, asking if it's a good time to discuss something before bringing it to the forefront. At the same time, the other partner has made a point of being more direct and communicating rather than just letting things sit in the background. Interestingly, they met in college Spanish class where they were both pursuing language minors, so it appears their minor has now become a major. Number two, remember which team you're on. Our oldest daughter, Ashley, and our son-in-law, Brian, are two and a half years into their marriage after having a wildfire force them to move their wedding venue to a friend's hobby farm just hours before the ceremony. Yes, the pictures of the chickens with the wedding party are as memorable as you might imagine. Their biggest lesson learned was to always remember you're on the same team. You'll disagree, you'll argue, but you're working toward the same outcome and you always have the other's best interest at heart. Remember, you're not battling your teammate, you're battling with your teammate to address the problem you're facing together. Number three, bigger picture, magnified. Our daughter Danielle and son-in-law Colby are the most experienced of the group with three years of marriage under their belts. So they provided us a pair of lessons. The first, strive to make every decision in life with your teammate in mind, built nicely on what Ashley and Brian noted. The second was to remember the little things become the big things. 
Making coffee or breakfast for your partner, grocery shopping together, or playing games together instead of just watching TV are far more meaningful and valuable over time than any form of shiny gifts or fancy trips ever could be. I've got to admit, when I asked the kids if they'd be up for sharing their lessons for this Hidden Gem episode, I wasn't sure what they'd say. To hear their perspective and wisdom just two and three years into their marriages, it warms my heart more than you can imagine. If you were to skip the rest of this episode and just take those lessons to heart, it would no doubt make a difference. If you would like to hear a little more, here are the ten and a half lessons I shared in the original episode. Out of the gate, I'll be the first to admit I was incredibly fortunate when Susanna said yes three plus decades ago. As many of you know, she is one of the most caring, understanding, encouraging, and intelligent people you will ever meet. There's no doubt at all that I hit the lottery on October 24th, 1992, when the woman with the most beautiful smile I'd ever seen agreed to walk through this life with me. So just like advice from a million-dollar lottery winner will differ from someone going through bankruptcy, the lessons I'll share come from a perspective of knowing I got doggone lucky out of the gate. Even so, we've had plenty of ups and downs, roadblocks, and bumps along the way from which to learn. Given that, here are 11 lessons I've learned over 30 years of marriage that you might not typically hear from a marriage counselor or a book on the subject. Number one, buy more toothpaste. That's right, buy more toothpaste. Early in our marriage, we quickly realized our toothpaste habits differed quite a bit. While I like to keep it clean with the top screwed on, Susanna preferred the more relaxed top-off style creating a little more crunchiness to the toothbrushing process. After a few months of biting my tongue and some crunchy toothpaste, I said something. Rather than getting defensive, she fixed it immediately. No, no, she didn't adjust her approach to do it my way. She just bought us each separate tubes of toothpaste, an approach we've continued to this day. Problem solved with a little creative thinking and an extra tube of toothpaste. It was a great reminder, one that we've extended into many other things, that often there's a simple, easy, and cheap solution right there in front of us. Number two, create and update the vision together. Like most couples, Susanna and I have different goals, perspectives, schedules, preferences, and on and on and on and on. But our broader vision our target destination for our lives is aligned. Separate paths and pursuits, one life together. But that doesn't happen organically. Two lives completely aligned on the wedding day that ignore the common vision and veer off just a degree or two each year can wake up years into marriage and wonder, what happened? Who is this person? How do you create the common vision? Like so many other aspects of marriage, It doesn't happen on its own. We have to be intentional. For us, our family and our faith are core to our vision as a couple. Then we started our health and wellness coaching organization together in 2007. So those three elements together somewhat drove that common vision for two decades. But now, as empty nesters, we've begun needing to schedule a few days each year up in the mountains, away from computers, phones, TVs, and all those other distractions to talk through the coming year the adjustments we want to make, the lifestyle changes, and so on. It often is pretty darn tough to get it on the calendar, but it is always so worthwhile to do so, and something we probably both wish we would have started much earlier in our marriage. Even if you can't get away to the mountains for this one, 
it's worth creating some version of this distraction-free, vision-driving annual time together. I can promise you will not regret it. Number three, take the big D off the table. And I'm not talking about Dallas. While nobody goes into marriage planning on divorce, taking it off the table entirely can create a valuable mindset shift. A few months after Susanna and I said our vows promising forever, I must have said something about, if we ever get divorced, in a conversation. I say, I must have said something because I remember clearly getting my first stern lecture as a husband shortly thereafter. Susanna clearly and concisely told me we would not be using that word in our family. It was not under consideration and it would not be part of our vernacular as spouses or as parents. It wouldn't be used as a threat or a possible alternative. We were in this together for good. We made a decision right then and there, the word divorce would be left off the table. Now, clearly, we both understood and understand there are situations where divorce is necessary. And many of you have been through that painful process for reasons outside of your control. We get that. However, as a general rule, When we act as if something will exist for 50 years, we view it and we treat it very differently than something that's easily replaceable. Next up is a a trio that I call living in 3D, dating, debt, and dinner. The three Ds of dating, debt, and dinner seem unrelated, but they're actually quite similar in the way they play themselves out. Let's start with dating. Dating is about continuing to carve out special times together. It doesn't have to cost money. In fact, it could just be a picnic dinner down at the local park. But it doesn't happen on its own. Dating involves purposeful action over and over and over for decades. If you have children, it's easier just to skip the dating and save it for when the kids get older. Our kids are all now in their mid-20s, but when they were young, it was tough to find a sitter we trusted and could afford. Peel out the time from our already busy lives and be intentional about blocking out an evening for just the two of us. But over time, those date nights paid significant dividends for our marriage and we hope set an example for our kids that they'll choose to follow in their own marriages. The next part of living in 3D is debt. And it's kind of similar to dating in some ways. The easy route is to just go with the flow. Why wait to buy something when my credit card makes it easy right now? Why drive that used car to 200,000 plus miles when a new car would be so fun to drive? Why make healthy, less expensive meals at home or pack a lunch for work when the restaurant's right there? When we first got married, we, like many of you, had some hefty student loans from grad school. But we knew that would be a limiter and a stressor later in our lives. So we watched every penny, literally. Concentrate our efforts on those loans. And before our first child made her way into this world, the debt was a thing of the past. Those patterns extended beyond the student loans. We always bought used cars, drove them into the ground. Our first house was small and needed work, but it minimized our debt. These bigger decisions, along with the smaller day-to-day purchase choices, reduced our stress around money, at least to an extent. I I still can get stressed about it. And simultaneously maximized our longer-term options in life. If this is an area where you could use some assistance, there are plenty of tools available. Most notably, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which uses a very effective strategy called the Debt Snowball. We had Dave's daughter, Rachel Cruz, join us way back on the 74th episode of this podcast to discuss many of those strategies if you'd like to tap into them. 
The third part of living in 3D is dinners. Just like fading dating and growing debt can happen when we're, we're just not paying attention, potentially the most valuable hour of our day for our marriages, the dinner hour, can get pushed aside by busy schedules, TV shows, social media highlights, and so much more. Susanna and I have seen almost every aspect of our lives change over our 30 years together. But dinner together with no TV, no phones, no other distractions, almost without exception, is not one of those. Your schedules may not always allow for this one, but if it's possible, even a few nights a week, please consider making this a priority. Number seven, tap into Rocky Balboa's secret. In the original Rocky film, the marriage philosopher Rocky Balboa is asked why he and Adrian are together as they they seem like such a mismatch. With an eloquence few others can mirror, Rocky simply answers the question by saying, gaps. Adrian got gaps. I got gaps. Together, no gaps. For those of you who know us, you know we are very different from one another. And we both have significant gaps, as, as we all do. Those gaps provide two options. We can focus on one another's gaps and wonder, what is wrong with her? What is wrong with him? Or we can remind ourselves that if we're both the same, one of us isn't necessary. In all aspects of our lives, from our marriage to being parents to three amazing kids, or as co-founders of a business created to hopefully make this world a better place. It is incredible the way in which our apparent differences, extreme differences in many cases, have filled one another's gaps. Anytime Susanna's approach doesn't make sense to me, and probably even more often when mine don't make sense to her, it's always worth revisiting Rocky's words of wisdom. Number eight, sing along. I absolutely love music, and it plays a significant role in my life. Since the day I met her, Susanna has been the main character in thousands of songs as I sing along without a care in the world about who hears me. And and don't worry, it's usually alone in my Jeep. From Chicago's You're the Inspiration to Jordan Davis's Next Thing You Know, Queen's You're My Best Friend, James Taylor's Whenever I See Your Smiling Face, and everything in between, I'm singing about Susanna. Is that kind of sappy? Absolutely. Am I a bit of a hopeless romantic? Probably. But isn't that part of the fun? Yeah. Life is difficult. It's filled with struggles and sadness, disappointments and tragedy. But why not let our marriage be one ray of sunshine in the midst of it all by mentally putting our own spouse in the leading role of that song we love over and over and over again? Do you remember being engaged? I don't know about you, but I could not stop thinking about Susanna. And I have the journals to prove it. Of course she had and has her flaws, but frankly, not as many as me. And I sure didn't notice them. Why not extend those engagement feelings throughout our lifetime together? Number nine, guard trust with great care. A few years into our marriage, I began traveling a bit more frequently for work. After a handful of these trips where accountability for a variety of, we'll just call them gray area activities, was relatively non-existent, Susanna lovingly but firmly said, I trust you 100%. Don't ever let that change. That was more than 25 years ago, but those words have stuck with me ever since. One of the things I love most about Susanna is she never, ever nags me about anything. Now, keep in mind that her skill set as a coach and counselor provide tools in her toolbox that our kids like to reference as her Jedi mind powers. 
So maybe she's getting me to do everything she wants without needing to nag. But the point is, that statement about trust was not a threat, nor was it a nag. It was a quiet, loving reminder of what we have together as a couple and something neither of us ever wanted to lose. I've never forgotten those words, and I've done my best, as has she, to keep that trust intact. Number 10, be the left tackle. If you're a football fan, you're well aware of one of the most important positions on the team is the left tackle. The reason for this is most quarterbacks are right-handed, thus creating a blind spot on their left. The left tackle is there to protect the quarterback, usually against the strongest and quickest defensive players who are trying to stop him from being the best version of himself on the field of play. That's life. And you are the left tackle. Your job is to provide your partner the space and the time, the ability to be their best against the pressures of life that are constantly closing in on them. This left tackle role might include simple things like daily patterns. I've had my share of sleep struggles over the years, and Susanna has not only tweaked her sleep schedule to match mine, but also with, okay, maybe a little bit of eye rolling, has supported my somewhat compulsive focus on room temperature, absence of a TV in the bedroom, light blockers, and more. Our roles reverse in the morning, as I've frankly slowly learned that while my mind might be filled with a dozen exciting new ideas and discoveries as the sun comes up, Susanna would very much like to enjoy a cup of coffee and a little bit of quiet time early in the morning to ease into her day before her husband shares anything beyond the beauty of the sunrise. But the left tackle role, it goes much deeper than tuning into daily patterns. It includes triggers, need for space, personal stressors, and so much more. Folks, marriage is not a 50-50 arrangement. It's a 100-100 partnership. One other thought about being the left tackle. This extends to our words, both when we're together and apart. I can still clearly remember a dinner with a couple visiting our home when, when I was in my late teens. The wife repeatedly berated her husband for a variety of things right there in front of the small group, which included him. Even today, I cringe to think about it. That was 40 years ago. To think that the person you're closest to in this world would demean you in front of others, whether or not you're present at the time. One of the things I appreciate most about Susanna, and I hope she sees it in the way I speak of her to others, is the way we honor one another's uniqueness. We both have issues, struggles, plenty of gaps, and we may discuss and work through those privately together. However, when in the company of others, whether Susanna is present or not, she is to be honored 100% of the time. The world already loves to point out our imperfections. We certainly don't need to contribute to those with our partner, especially in front of others. Last one, grow old together. It's an easy one to forget. We get married, make our way through life, and at some point, we begin to settle. Life is fine. We're doing okay. We're done pursuing degrees, stopped aiming for promotions, kids are off living their own lives. We have our favorite Netflix shows figured out. Hey, we're comfortable. Getting older by the day, but it's not all that bad, right? Well, I, I guess if your targeted outcome for your marriage and your life is to be not that bad, then I suppose that approach works. But what if there's an alternative? What if instead of getting older together, we instead were growing older together? What's the difference? It's night and day. 
As we continue to grow individually by exploring new hobbies, seeking new adventures, taking new classes, meeting new people, visiting new places, then we bring more growth to the marriage relationship. When Susanna went back to earn her second master's degree in her mid-40s, this time in counseling, our dinner conversations became even more enjoyable as she'd share fascinating theories, strategies, different things she was learning that we'd dig into together. Our move to Fort Collins, Colorado last year after 25 years in Littleton became a new opportunity to do just that, to explore new places, take new classes, read new books, meet new people, get involved in the university and the community. Those growth opportunities have resulted in some of the most engaging dinnertime chats we've had in years. Not simply because our kids are doing cool things and growing. We are growing. We are growing together. There's an old saying, you never step into the same river twice. It's not the same river, and you're not the same person. The same is true in our context today. You're never married to the same person twice. You are changing, and your partner is changing. At least that's the case if we're truly growing and not simply getting older together. So there you have it, a handful of perhaps unconventional lessons learned over 30 years of marriage. We're all unique, and the variables involved with two people in a marriage relationship are practically unlimited. But I hope there was a nugget or two in there that you found beneficial for your own life. Thanks again for spending part of your week with us here on the Health, Wellness, and Performance Catalyst. We're grateful for all your encouragement and support. We were alerted recently that this podcast is now in the top 1.5% of all podcasts. And that's truly a reflection of you and your kindness in passing the word, or sometimes literally a specific podcast episode, onto others. We hope this becomes one of those episodes that you see value in sharing. As always, if you have any questions about pursuing your certification as a health and wellness coach, integrating nationally board-certified coaching into your organization to support your employee team members' physical, emotional, or mental well-being, or if you're already a coach and you're looking to tap into the support of the Catalyst community, we're here for you. Reach out anytime, results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com, or you can find additional resources on the website at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. And now, it's time to be a Catalyst. This is Dr. Brad Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute signing off. Make it a great rest of your week, and I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Health, Wellness, and Performance Catalyst, or maybe over on the YouTube coaching channel.